0: Good, because I'd finished Netflix. I needed something else to watch. You finished Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. What am I going to do, read a book? Come on.
1: It can no longer ask if you're still watching. (laughs) No longer make you feel like crap.
0: (laughs) It it literally just shows someone crying and asks me to please go outside.
2: (laughs) So I was in a rush, and I didn't want to not have a whiskey, so I poured myself an obscene amount of whiskey in my glass. <laughs> so this is gonna go downhill quick is what I'm nice. saying. Perfect. Uh it's it's
0: two o'clock here. I'm still drinking coffee, so I need to make the transition over. Oh jeez. I'm not yeah, making Well you're a piece of shit, so <laughs> that's that is not up for debate by any like any stretch of the imagination. So uh I'm not gonna argue with you. So fuck you too Zena. Love you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Love you, man. Mitch, I hope you get a sense of the kind of podcast this is.
1: <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm really excited about it because we've been so clean and by the book, for like the last two episodes It's killing me. <laughs> um, so we don't have to say
0: that for this. Zeno, I give you so much credit for getting Chris Smonger, the president and CEO of Discus, to, to say shit. Yeah. That was a beautiful <laughs> moment. I was really proud of you for that. Yeah, and I made it the, the soft open if you would listen to our podcast ever. I, I never will. I refuse to. If I'm going <laughs> to continue being a part of this podcast, I prefer not to listen to it. <laughs>
2: well... All right, noted. We know where you stand. You're out. You're out, just so you have to listen to it.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, well, I guess that's a good segue into doing our uh, drop. This is the Still Talking Podcast, our irreverent distilling industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. Today, we have guest Mitch Cod. You are from Lalamond, is that correct?
1: I am from Lalamond, yeah. I do uh, all the craft distilling technical work, so kind of a fun market to be in for sure. Ah, it's beautiful. Get to talk with you guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we're going to have fun. But before I dig into it, there is just one quick bit of news we want to touch on. We haven't been doing a whole lot of news lately. We're going to keep it short and sweet.
1: It's the
2: news. It's time for news.
0: Um, But this is the first podcast we've recorded since a lot of the situation that's happened in uh, Minneapolis, George Floyd, all that stuff. But the big thing we want to call out is our good friend Chris Montana at Do Nord Distillery over in uh, Minneapolis. There are a couple really good gofundme fundraisers that we are going to put in the description for this podcast so listener go check them out there's links uh there's two of them one is the do nord riot recovery fund that one's over five hundred thousand dollars already that's the one specifically set up by chris and his wife uh, they're doing um, a food bank at the warehouse that actually had some fire damage and got hurt in the riots but they've already turned around and made the facility like help the local community. They're, they're doing amazing work. We, we cannot speak highly enough of Chris and his team. Um, and then the other one was set up by ACSA and is specifically for the distillery, Dunord. And that one is really close to its funding goal. It's at $94,000 right now, and I think the goal is $100,000. So uh, if you guys have the time, the funds, we know it's tight out there for everyone, but we, we really want to support our friends over there. Wait, what's going on in Minneapolis? Uh, um like i said the murder hornets man it's real bad we let them out of washington and shit got real
2: yeah i mean it was weird when we when we posted the last episode and we had to write the description because it was between one one terrible thing and the other terrible thing right So,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, we managed to thread the needle before um, a worldwide pandemic and uh, <laughs> <laughs> police brutality and uh, and race riots. So yeah, we
2: we did an amazing job there, guys. Yeah. So well, I can't wait to what's going to happen next. By the
3: time we release this episode, oh, geez. Uh,
2: maybe That's murder what chaos
3: is based around. It's just whenever our episodes are released. <laughs>
2: yeah, we won't release one until something else terrible happens. <laughs> That's actually awful. I'm sorry I said that. No, you're not. You're not even a little sorry. Anywho, um, All right, let's
3: talk yeast. Let's yeah, talk
2: well, yeast. Well, I want you know Mitch needs to like do his whole. This is what I did, and this is what I do, and this is who I am.
3: Um, yeah, yeast.
2: But he's yeast. <laughs> he is Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Yeah. Um, he. I, the funny thing how Mitch came on this episode is because I needed a contact, uh, and. Brian gave me useless information to which I I, e- I emailed someone and it turned out Mitch called me and he I want I will proudly say is sort of a yinzer but he has a 724 number so
1: <laughs> I'm sort of a yinzer. Absolutely. He that
2: joke. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: wait wait wait. But, uh, wait. I I want to back up. So because of the information I gave you you got a call from Mitch. I don't know if that really constitutes useless information then.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: All right, you got me there. Um oh. <laughs> it's a win for me. I'm out, guys. You guys take care of the rest of the podcast. I'm I'm ending on a high note.
2: <laughs> it was great. No, you Brian, you are the reason Mitch is with us today. Oh I feel I feel like we just birthed Mitch on this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Brian.
2: Thank You're you. very welcome. And I apologize, Mitch.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you for that as uh, well.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so then uh yeah, tell us who the hell you are, because you know. Maybe if listener listens, they would probably want to know such information.
1: That seems reasonable. Yeah, I'm i I'm a sort of Yenzer. I'll give you that. I uh, I spent some time there and listened to your last podcast with uh, with Tim, and uh, you guys talked a lot about Pittsburgh. So your listeners are probably gonna hate Pittsburgh or love Pittsburgh after this one, because I'm sure it's not well, done. Yeah, they can love
2: it or not fucking listen. There you
1: go. <laughs> Ultimatum, I like
2: only it. Only two options.
1: <laughs> as a, uh, a yinzer, though, it's kind of, I'm a rare breed because I don't follow all the sports in that city or or in any city. So I apologize if I uh, hurt your feelings there.
2: Yeah, wedding's off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want my gift back.
1: <laughs> I'm keeping it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, went there, went to college there, biology, microbiology, all that. Um, Then we moved to New Hampshire in the middle of freaking nowhere, uh, which is like ideal for me Uh, for my fiance's job. She got a job at Dartmouth and I wound up with a really solid job at a uh, research lab here in town, which is crazy because like I said, we live in the middle of nowhere and I ended up in like a dream job right out of the gate. This is not the job I'm in right now. But before that, um, we were doing like biotech yeast for uh, fuel ethanol. And I got to join a team that was breaking into Brazil. So saw that project from start to finish. And I was like a, like I said, dream job for somebody right out of college that moved on a whim and wound up where he wanted to be.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Traveling to Brazil was uh, interesting. <laughs> it was a ball.
3: It's just like New Hampshire, right?
1: It's just like New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, a lot more tire fires on the highway and bribing police and stuff, but
3: similar. In, in New Hampshire.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> and New Hampshire definitely has like a capoeira scene, right? It's like the dance fighting <laughs> capital of the U.S.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big in the streets. Yeah.
2: Go. <laughs> all right. So you ended up there. Um, so what exactly does that entail working at a research? Are you like isolating? yeast that and following their metabolic pathway say like this is the most efficient for this sugar substrate to make fuel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's 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 the basic of it. Uh, Basically, we had to kind of look into the the Brazil process, which is it's similar to rum fermentations, which is why I ended up here Um, and kind of break apart all the ecology of the, the fermentations and the bacteria and all the wild yeast and the stressors on the system. And then we had to go into the metabolism of the yeast and and try to find levers to pull to increase yield and, you know, resistance to these stresses and stuff. So there was uh, a lot of genetic engineering and uh, scale down fermentations and stuff like that. It was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Very detail oriented. (laughs) Yeah. Would you say you apply that now and
2: like what you're doing now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, really applicable. And I think I can come at, you know, where I'm at now with Lallemand from a different direction because, you know, I, I engineered metabolisms before this and I understand how to pull the levers and you can do it all without engineering. It's just, you know, manipulating your fermentation. So, absolutely.
2: Right. Okay. So, you, what happened with that lab? So, now you're not with that lab. So where'd you go next? You took those, those skills, that skill set, and what do you do with it?
1: Yeah, so the uh, position opened open up to join Lollamont Craft Distilling and uh, do technical sales for them. So we kind of work with, well, a, a massive range of size of customers. So people doing like 50-gallon fermentations or 5-gallon fermentations all the way up to the 10,000-gallon fermentations. Um, and uh, I help them make their fermentations better. And as well as all the other aspects of it distillation and cooks and stuff. But I feel like I can really bring my expertise to the fermentation, which has been so much fun because instead of just looking at making a ton of ethanol, we we have to deal with congeners and esters and you know, off flavors and all that. Yeah, nuance. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's totally different totally different area. But
0: so So a lot of times when you're dealing with, say, smaller producers, are you kind of helping them increase yields? Are you helping them identify like local, you know, local yeasts if they want something unique, You banking stuff? Like, can you walk us through some of the most common, you know, services you provide for these smaller producers?
1: Sure. Yeah. So one of the craziest things with working with the the craft market is, like I said, the range. I mean, the problems that we see uh, every day are always different. So a lot of times i'm just going in and saying you know we need to correct this in your fermentation first and then everything's going to fall in line uh, and and that seems to be the case with a lot of these smaller guys you know people that have kind of been like chemical engineers in a past life or or something like that and they come in they figure out the distillation but all that stuff you know upstream is it's your pool it's what you're pulling from in distillation so you kind of yeah, have to the get distillation that right.
2: doesn't fucking matter yeah <laughs> like, yeah
3: so right. without without naming names, what's the craziest scene you've walked into, or name names, <laughs> or, <laughs> or names? Yeah, that's so it was it. Dino's Distillery. <laughs> he was using pool water as his mash water. Yeah, yeah. I I pitch my yeast with a dirty sock. Um,
2: I just as you fill should. a dirty sock with yeast and dump it in my fermenter. Best way in the pool, <laughs> yeah. in the pool. All right, uh, serious though. Go ahead, and pitch.
1: Serious, yeah. So. <laughs> Honest to God, and this isn't the only time this has happened, but we went through, I don't know, a half hour, 45 minutes on the phone, uh, and then some more text messages, and then another call, just going through all these troubleshooting options, and the thing we landed on was there was no yeast in the fermentation, (laughs) so like, you know, we got that one, (laughs) figured it out. God,
0: you guys must have seen like geniuses. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> like a 98% increase in our fermentation. <laughs> Pump the fucking brakes. Why did they call you? <laughs> like, what was the, like, how did they get connected with you? You're like, hey, what is, who, what, who is Lollamond? Let's tell listener who Lollamond is. Mitch, I'll let you take that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we, we get calls all the time. On like full on troubleshooting, like everything's going crazy. There's foam everywhere, or the distillation's making a crazy noise, and I'm afraid. Um, but generally, there are customers. You know, we'll, we'll talk with other people too, but our customers deserve the tech support that uh, they get with buying our strains. So, so we're on the phone with them an awful lot. Um, and in this case, you know, it's just I get it. Like I saw it at a, I saw it in the biofuel scale too. We we had a whole fermentation. You know that's like the size of a house or two houses where they just didn't pitch yeast so they ended up with a bacterial fermentation and just a ton of acids by like the third day right <laughs> so like it's not it's not crazy i i get it but uh that's a pretty solid thing oh, to fix <laughs> at that scale
3: can you do anything with that or did they just have to dump it
1: no i mean that was pretty much done they they pitched uh a little bit of yeast on top of that and got like maybe a third of their their uh total yield but at that point you can't even finish a fermentation i mean yeah. you have like what five six percent of both acids it's like it's impossible
0: <laughs> that's a brutal ecosystem
1: in. oh yeah and talk about money i mean those size fermentations are absurd and you look how much money they wasted on that it's kind of heart-wrenching
2: <laughs> they supplement i'm guessing they i know they definitely use a ton of enzymes but are they using nutrients too to supplement that yeast I'm guessing
1: they do. Well, in like USA, uh, corn fermentations for fuel, they use a bunch of nutrients and enzymes yeah. and all that.
3: Yeah. yeah. And um, they use antibiotics,
1: right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a, a little bit different there, but they still get like crazy infections, even with antibiotic. Um, it's just such a large system. It's very hard to clean. I was just going to say in Brazil, it's, it's entirely different because they're doing uh, sugarcane down mm-hmm. there and and they they don't repitch yeast it's the same yeast for like 200 something days and they ferment at like 10% biomass by weight so it's it's nutty different they don't use any nutrients uh, their fermentations are done in like 10 hours it's a totally different environment but really cool
2: so are they doing continuous fermentation systems is that what like, I know we briefly talked about that. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll come on there and talk about that. <laughs> yeah, Nobody does. Nobody does here because <laughs> of the risk. If, you know, one fermentation in that line of continuous is fucked, then
1: guess what? Um, oh, they're horrible. They're horrible. Yeah. 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 I mean,
2: are they do? Is there any of that in Brazil? I'm just out of my curiosity. Yeah. No, this isn't interesting at all for a podcast. But I'm <laughs> curious. This is just yeah. for Zeno. It's okay. Yeah.
1: Well, Zeno, you see, um, they do. They totally do. Uh, they all kind of suck uh they're just constantly breeding bacteria and low yields and a ton of pain to work with but there's there's a difference between fed batch which you can implement in like a distillery really well and continuous which you would never really want to do in a distillery they're they're generally gross um but yeah the the fed batch is how they get that eight hour fermentation because they're at one time there's only one to two percent sugar realistically in the system so the yeast just flies through it
2: right it's kind of like what uh there's there's, i don't know if this is analogous or not but uh what's uh colton you'll know it boston beers utopias right
3: yeah what is like 25 or 28 percent yeah because they feed it with
2: like maple syrup they like slowly feed it it's kind of the same same basic concept They do that, and they move it from barrel to barrel, so they're getting alcohol percentages from leaching from the barrel staves. But yeah, they feed it with maple
1: syrup. What do they do, like a normal beer up front and then feed on top?
2: Yeah, I think they make like a high-grav beer, and then they just keep slowly feeding it.
1: That's kind of cool. Cool to do with maple syrup, too.
3: I expect our cease and desist coming in the mail soon now. (laughs) I mean, I don't care. <laughs> go ahead, Boston Beer. What are you going to get from me? I'm like, yeah. I'm not independently wealthy. Like,
2: what are you going to take my PlayStation 4? <laughs> they are. that You've now told
0: them what you actually yeah, have. Exactly. In terms of assets, yeah. you fucked that up, man. I personally do not have any gaming systems. <laughs> yeah. I have go, go after Xeno first. I just have a lot of children. So if you want one of those, go for it. <laughs> yeah. I love you kids. <laughs>
2: Anywho, uh, that's crazy. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that, that's not the same thing, but it's a similar concept.
1: No, uh, it's totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a fed batch. I mean,
3: wait, so are they, are they doing these continuous fermentations cause timing for them is more important than yield in or Brazil result yield. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, so they're recycling the same yeast for 200 days. So they have like literally a hundred tons of yeast slug moving around the distillery uh so if they feed on top of it there's enough yeast to just chow through all that that sugar um awesome. and that means they don't have to use as many antibiotics and uh they can crush on site you know like uh rum agar style straight yeah. from the crushing right into the fermentation and uh and then you get less spoilage so your yields are higher and your yields are way higher with a fed batch system as opposed to a, a batch system like a typical fermentation
2: how do they? So how do they clean that? So if they're pressing and they're running on site, how do they? Because I mean, I live in Louisiana and I deal with sugar mills, and I know right after it's crushed, there's a ton of bagasse in there and there's a ton of solids. How do they deal with that?
1: Well, I would like to say they just don't clean. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> realistically, it's an absolute mess. Like. We had all this beautiful theoretical stuff going into this and, you know, everything should work, this and this and this. Then you get there and you're walking over top of the open fermenter and, like, the guy next to you is shaking off his boot mud into the fermentation and everything's open.
3: (laughs) I thought you said they didn't use nutrients.
1: Exactly. (laughs) A lot of calcium and iron. Terroir. That's right, terroir. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I definitely when I'm buying fuel, I definitely know, want to know the terroir of my fuel.
0: Yeah, <laughs> super
1: important, yeah, man. Is that craft fuel? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, actually, I do want to ask a question because it's pretty common, especially in the craft field, for people to want to do you know distinguish themselves by doing, say, you know, yeast that they culture, or identify themselves within their facility or from the local flora, uh, you know do you have any recommendations on that? You know, one, how efficient is it? Are there tips people should use if they actually want to try and find their own unique yeast strain? Uh, are there common mistakes people make? I assume you get a lot of calls like that because you guys bank a lot of those too, right?
1: Uh, let's see for the craft market. It's a little bit harder just because it it costs so much money to do that, Mm -hmm. uh, to do it well, right? Like theoretically, Any of us could go out and let something ferment in our grain fields and then pull something from that and say, this is our yeast. But next week, it's going to be an entirely different yeast, even if you keep it in the fridge and all that. I mean, it's it's not practical uh, on a small scale, really, unless you have your own lab in a basement or something, which there are people that do, (laughs) which is a ton of fun to talk with them. Um, But no, it's not really practical on a small scale if you want consistency like over and over it, it's always going to be a different yeast uh, unless you get really really into it but no i mean we do some selections and stuff like we can do that uh unfortunately it's just it's not a it's not a small producers uh, game getting it done professionally
0: okay. it's going to be more mid-tier big, the big producers
1: I yeah mid-tier big yeah somebody who can kind of pay because it takes all that R&D if you want something good. I mean, realistically, you could uh, essentially isolate something and and start a prop with it each time if you have a really cold freezer. Um, (laughs) But there's, you know, all the testing and stuff, you could be getting something that yields like 60 percent versus 90 (laughs) percent out of the same isolation. So it's uh, is,
0: uh, is most of the cost associated with the sequencing. Is that kind of what bumps it up?
1: Uh, Not really, actually. The sequencing, it's insane what has happened in genetics in the past 10 years, 10, 15 years. Um, We could do like whole genomes for a reasonable price Uh, and we can do it all in-house and just kind of fingerprint stuff. Um, Most of the money is involved in the research and development of it, like uh, looking through all the isolates and finding the ones that actually ferment in a reasonable time and give a reasonable amount of ethanol and then you have all the GC and sensory associated with it to make sure it actually tastes good (laughs) because a lot of the wild (laughs) geese do not taste good right (laughs) crap
0: (laughs) exactly I mean that's why not everyone just does it themselves
1: exactly yeah yeah spontaneous fermentations were fantastic for hundreds of years uh and then we found out we don't have to do that
2: science science (laughs) yeah it's funny. Cause you get people all the time. They're like, yeah, we want to do an open fermentation and then make that distillate because that's the way they used to do. It. And I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> do you want to make that twice? <laughs> like, <Yeah. that's, laughs> I'm like, unless you have a, such a significant volume. So, you know, Mitch and I talked about, because some of the yeast that I was looking into is pretty expensive. Uh, and I was like, uh, I can get this and use a yeast brink and propagate it and we can do it. I also know the full disclosure that it's going to constantly genetically drift. Um, Am I okay with that in a degree of error? Sure. Until it starts impacting my yield too much, but other people, when they're doing that and you you, you do an open fermentation, God knows what you're going to get from time to time. Right. Yeah. And what does that make in a distillate and who the, I even I come from a massive company before I worked the job that I work now. They don't have the R&D to kind of support that.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some big companies that do a really good job at it, like specifically in American whiskey and stuff like that. There there's people that, you know, they got the, the strain from their grandpa and stuff like that. And uh, there are people that can do it well. It just takes money. I mean, that, that's the limitation is money.
3: Is there a way to set up your facility, so <clears throat> maybe you use ten years of a specific yeast strain and then you move to you know quote unquote wild strains, and it's just you know the same strain
1: open in your facility? Uh, I don't understand what you're asking sorry
2: <laughs> it was a terrible question for <laughs>
3: i was saying, I was just trying to think about if there was a way to kind of cheat the system and what if there was any benefit to, you know, working in a old wooden building. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, Open yeah. fermentations where you're using a specific strain that you know is great for 10 years and then you, you know, switch, but you know, it's the same strain anyway.
1: Yeah. Like you, you ferment so much and you get the, the foaming and the backsplash and all that and your boards are covered in stuff and it's essentially become your terroir for the distillery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a thing. Um, especially in like sour beers, Cause sour beers, uh, kind of, their like starter culture for a lot of these, at least when they started out was, uh, the, the ceiling boards and they would say, you know, you leave the, the pot open and you go upstairs and you jump around and your bacteria would fall in. And that would be your sour pitch. And then you get your oh. fermentation running. So like, there's definitely something to it. Um, whether or not that makes a consistent product, I kind of <laughs> doubt it. <laughs> but you know
3: and it doesn't sound like it'd be a benefit on the distilling side
1: no i i don't know i don't know anybody that that really tries that i would be fascinated to see that would be really cool just so like throw a bunch of lumber in your fermentation when you're done and then pull it out and throw it in the next time and
2: <laughs> yeah i mean people are not doing that
0: that sounds like a brand new business model i'm building houses out of old
2: fermented wood this is my fermentation lumber don't touch it
1: yeah like the barn board builders uh tv show i feel like we can make something off of that yes there you go
2: old fermentation there it is
1: yeah next business Um, venture yep this old fermentation.
2: we need bob vila though he needs to do it um bob vila's still alive it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, either way, we'll get him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he can contribute to the flora.
2: <laughs> oh, man. This got real dark real quick. And, uh, I knew you. Yeah. you uh, Mitch, you fit in just right.
0: Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um,
2: So how many fermentations are single species fermentations, Mitch? If you just had to guess.
1: Oh single species for n- none of them yeah really
2: exactly I mean, that was the an- that yeah. was the answer i wanted
1: <laughs> in the lab maybe maybe yeah, maybe exactly
2: maybe. that's but. when people get so on their high horse and they're so hesitant. they're like oh no this is our house yeast." i'm like motherfucker you <laughs> know what your raw material is and how you process it and i like are you the most sanitary place on earth
1: yeah um <laughs> Great. Yeah, there's so much that comes in with every part of the dis- or the fermentation that it's virtually impossible to have a single species fermentation. I mean, you can control it to where it's not contributing much, but you're always going to have other stuff in there.
2: It's great. So, I mean, I have some younger guys that work for me, too, and I try and explain that to them. I'm like, look, and Mitch, you kind of know, you know, I'm trying to in preparation for harvest of this year. Yeah. I'm talking about, okay, so there's... I want, I'm go- definitely going to get a whole litmus of species from the flora that is sugarcane in Louisiana, right? But uh, I want to control that the best I can by pitching something that complements that,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, the biggest way is, you know, either pasteurizing it or, or just out-competing it in the early stages of fermentation. So getting that, like, uh, like a little prop system set up or nutrients and, and happy yeast at the start, rehydrated, you know that. But um, but yeah, you're going to bring in a lot of bacteria and uh, it's going to change lot to lot. You know, a lot of people do that pasteurization and whatnot. Um, but you end up with sort of a native flora in your tanks and all the dead legs and all that. I mean, it, it's there. <laughs> and they contribute a bunch to the 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 fermentation media before you even start fermenting it. I mean, there's a lot happening when the cane is standing. And then as soon as it's crushed, you open those wounds and the bacteria just go nuts. I mean, within an hour or two during crushing all that. So there is terroir. Terroir is a real thing, bacterially and agriculturally.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, And I mean, it happens in whiskey, too. I yeah. don't realize it in so much in whiskey. I'm like, well, you know, I'll use big American whiskey as, as I' are like, Hey, listen, they're pitching, you know, into their mash. The last thing that goes, because mainly a big American whiskey uses their malted barley for um, its enzymatic activity. Cause they don't use, they don't add any enzymes. So like they, they add it at a temperature. I'm like, this isn't denaturing anything that's on it. <laughs> and right. <laughs> like if you look at the, load of my you know these species that are on malted barley you'd be surprised what's on there so that's all part of their terroir too
1: oh totally yeah and you get all that bacteria and fungus i mean on the malted barley and stuff there's a ton of fungus so that stuff contributes for sure
0: that's interesting (laughs) well this is a little off topic but it kind of ties in like with the idea of house strains or house yeasts um what's the patenting environment when it comes to yeast can you patent a strain or multi-strain like a house uh house yeast strain like what's the regulatory environment like there
1: it's interesting and constantly evolving um i think i had a bunch of you know experience with it in brazil because uh with genetic engineering it's a bit easier because you know you're putting something in and and making direct changes and manipulations and creating something. Um, and there you have to be like super, super specific, (laughs) like really specific on what you're patenting about it. And, uh, even then you can have some problems down the road, but, um, I'm actually a little unfamiliar with the patenting on, uh, like natural variants. I, I, I don't think they're patentable. Um, but I think they're protectable, you know, by NDAs and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Is there a
3: lot of stealing between biofuel factories for yeast trains?
1: Um, theoretically, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, there's there's NDAs and everything in place. So like the, the repercussions of it would be pretty giant, um, especially like when you're paying a lot to get this certain yeast sure. and get that yield. You don't really want it somewhere else. So a lot of these places are pretty good about keeping stuff tight, like really tight. It's impressive, and kind of weird. You're like, you make you make ethanol, and you have like armed <laughs> security guards. <laughs> That's not so. Really your bad. retirement plan yeah. is
2: out the window, Colton. Sorry. <laughs> Who? Um, all right. So what kind of yields are they getting on that? Like, you know, how do they measure it? For one, like I know in big whiskey. In the U.S., it's proof gallons per bushel. Yeah, but I mean, like, what is the equivalent in well, fuel ethanol and sugar?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, realistically, in in big whiskey, it's still really hard to find a good number. Um, and even you know, when you get a really good number over and over, you're just looking at relative yields. When you're you have to compare it to something to make any sort of sense of your data you're
2: wrong mitch it's 5.25 okay that's right <laughs> yeah.
1: plus or minus 0.01
2: <laughs> yeah right it's
1: stupid but yeah uh, yeah you're... yeah but in in biofuels it's a little different you have those uh like in corn they just do the single fermentations so you can calculate everything going in and everything coming out um right and get a really good number in brazil it was a lot harder because they have that recycle system so you have like 15 percent of your ethanol Going back into another fermentation and it's it's horrible to count for but if you go for like 10 15 cycles or something you can kind of come up with a good number
2: who does the mass balance there that's going to be a fun job me right
1: (laughs) 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 it's not fun you're wrong (laughs) fair enough now it's uh it's interesting because you have to look at so many different aspects of that fermentation like little minor constituents that change but uh, it's you can do it. I mean, it just takes a, a day of sitting down and calculating and making sure you're right.
2: But what there, is their biggest? What is their biggest issue? Like, what holds back their yield most? Is it it's like uh, acetobacter or like
1: what is? It? Yeah, contamination. Yeah, absolutely. You no, know, it's uh, all of that carbon goes to acids, and that's a direct loss of ethanol. I mean, it's it's easily uh calculated you have you know three percent lactic four percent lactic you you've lost a lot of alcohol and that's right that's pretty easy to let happen if you you know pump something a little too late or let it sit around uh, but i mean same thing in distilled spirits it's you lose a lot to acid whether you want to or you don't mean to it's it's a calculated risk yeah. right and that's why the the uh, distilled spirits is so much cooler because we don't have to just look at the the yield (laughs) we can say all right we're losing ethanol but look at all this beautiful flavor we're getting here
2: yeah well and i think you know and i know colton definitely agrees like late lacto is pertinent especially in grain-based distillations like late lacto fermentation adds elements to distillate that's gonna rest is super important
1: yeah yeah absolutely we're uh we're bringing in a new product this year that's uh it's meant for lacto fermentations early on and whiskey fermentations. And it's been super cool to play with and trial actually all this COVID crisis and not traveling has kind of shorted me on like three or four really cool trips I had planned to trial it. And, uh, I'm a little bitter about that.
0: Uh, That's okay. You got more time for us.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's why I'm here.
2: Uh, The universe balances out.
0: That's
1: right. Good one-to-one substitution. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> wait so you're actually getting people to pitch lactic like lactobacillus is that what your goal is
1: yeah yeah exactly to get a, a bacterial fermentation alongside the yeast fermentation and create all those lactic acid molecules and uh kind of work your yeast metabolism in a just different direction to upregulate certain congeners and all that and
3: are the trials to identify what the best time and during your fermentation to pitch is?
1: Initially, they were.
3: The mound. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, so you found it. Yeah. Because I think
2: that people are going to go apeshit with this and be like, no, no, it's a late <laughs> lacto. The operable word there is late lacto. Yeah. You pitch it after distillation. Yeah.
0: Everyone. That's, right. <laughs> yeah. that's oh, wow. Touche. <laughs> so, how do you control for things like maturation? Obviously, because there's a huge variability with that in terms of. Because those molecules you want are forming in the barrel, right?
1: Yeah, some of them are, but a lot of the precursors are forming in fermentation. So oh, like, so you can measure those. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So if we can get all those precursors um, measured and, and observe a dramatic difference between, you know, a non-lacto and a lacto fermentation, we can see them mature. And we're starting to get a couple barrels maturing, uh, I think, we're like close to two years now. Um, and they're going really, really well. I mean it just comes down to the basic science. Like you, you put the lactic acid in, it lowers the pH, you get the low pH fermentation for yeast. You also get the lactic contribution. Like it, it, it creates certain predictable things and we can get certain predictable things from it. But that's
2: impressively cool.
1: Yeah. Like it's a what, lot of fun.
2: what esters and specifically are you, dry, are you, are you aiming for when you do that? And you can be as nerdy as you want here. In your <laughs>
1: So, so basically the, the big one up front is that ethyl lactate, which is just the lactic acid and ethanol, you know, kind of reacting and going back and forth in equilibrium. But if we increase that, uh, it's also a marker for other congener development, uh, upregulated as well. So we can see it, you know, in a successful trial, we see that ethyl lactate much higher in the final spirit. And we also see an increase in various other congeners, um, more along the line of like uh, some of the like uh, floral, um, spicy fruit congeners that that sort of organoleptic, um, and then the ethyl lactate kind of brings in a little bit more round uh, mouth feel to it too. So that's what we're seeing so far, um, and we're hoping to see a lot more. It's still early on, so. So, like,
2: like phenethyl acetate, like something like that, like phenethyl acetate, or?
1: Yeah, um, phenylethanol has been one that's been upregulated. Yep. Uh, I could call up some of the other ones.
2: Oh, no, that's all right. I mean, I just, I'm curious where you're driving for. And like, people have to balance that and like, okay, so how does this impact the yield? And
1: yeah, yep. That's something that we're trying to prove out. We don't see a, a big change in it. We, I, well, I think that we're seeing a little bit of a uh, higher sugar consumption by the bacteria whereas the yeast can't ever access that anyways um so we're kind of like
2: like long chain sugars is that what you're
1: like yeah 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 and different linked sugars uh so Mm -hmm. things that aren't in the same yeast pool to pull from cool yeah because the mass still has to work out so
3: yeah has all been working at all on you know once you guys dial in sort of finding all these precursors is that going to extend to okay now now that we know that maybe we can start diving into you know fast aging times or you know let's not take 20 years let's take a year we already know where the precursors are
1: let's figure out how to
3: you know i mean combine everything
1: i don't know if we're specifically looking into something like that i don't there's a there's the weird feeling in the in the spirits industry like you don't want to get hokey right you don't want to like uh, we aim for only hokey i don't know
0: <laughs> we we're always looking to cheat the system what else am i
2: uh, gonna do with my fermentation lumber right um.
1: <laughs> build houses we talked about this already build barns we're building barns no but like uh like the charred staves and stuff that's the the new hot thing in the past couple of years and I don't know. I mean, I've seen some great products coming from it. It definitely works, but there's definitely the resistance to it as well within the industry. It's just kind of same with like using enzymes and fermentation, right? Like there's tradition and and people want to keep that. So I don't know if we're I'm probably not looking to decrease aging time and all that, but you know, if we can upregulate various precursors or, or find strains that produce more of them, then we're definitely going to see a change in the spirit as it ages yeah
2: so what so these trials that you're doing with uh you know forcing lactic fermentation what you know you say you have some barrels resting i mean a lot of that is controlled by i always look at it in stages right you have like how if you have to convert your substrate so if you how you mashed to set it up for your fermentation your fermentation sets up your distillation and then after that Of how you're adding water to it or how you're aging to aging it, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So what and you know, you might not be able to tell me what this is, but like what was the distillation process? Like, did you make do this on, you know, was it a column and you did a single pass? Did you do really heavy spirit? You use like a couple of hogas in a lab? Like what, what was the process of the distillation and how much of an impact? Do you feel confident in your data based on that?
1: Yeah, so we're trying to kind of cover all our bases here with various trials um, and kind of the nice thing about doing the trials in the craft market is you get all these customers doing everything entirely different. <laughs> so like you get the natural variation between the trials, um, which kind of covers your bases in uh, various different situations. But as long as we can have that first fermentation, without the bacteria and then have a second fermentation with the bacteria, but match everything about that second one with the first one, then we have a solid control. I mean, distillation batch to batch is somewhat consistent, right? Especially if you've been running, uh, and you know, your, your process.
2: And do you guys dictate like, Hey, we want the, the composite of the distillate to be at, you know, whatever, 150 proof or whatever. Yeah. Like say like we want to build to this, so we're we're holding back some of those longer chain alcohols or what.
1: Yeah, somewhat. I mean, I don't want to go in and do a trial with somebody that's going to bring it to like vodka proof, right? Cuz we're not going to see anything. <laughs> cuz we're going to lose virtually everything but ethanol. Um so yeah, we you know, that's 60 to 80% or something like that. That's kind of the sweet spot, but you know, I'm happy with anything in in between cuz I get to see the range and how it affects it and Maybe we can pull recommendations off that. Maybe one of them is better than the other. Yeah.
3: very. How cool. does somebody sign up to be in these trials?
1: Well, right now I'm kind of limiting it because I only have so many resources. But uh, I'm kind of trying to work with people that really know what they're doing, really want to take a bunch of data points and uh, kind of have a collaborative effort here.
2: Well, that rules us out.
1: Corey. Yeah, you guys are done.
0: Literally
2: anyone yeah. other than us. That's what he tries. <laughs> We don't know what we're doing. We don't record anything. And uh, we're terrible at working with
1: people.
2: You guys got my hint.
1: Thank God. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. Uh, that's that's super exciting. I just, you know, yeah, you could have said, Zeno, it's a control, you ignorant slut. Um, <laughs> but, but like, uh, yeah, that's hard to control. It's hard to establish a control unless you do it yourself under Certain set of scenarios. Yeah. I mean, because especially in craft, I mean, how many different stills do people have? And so many people. A question I got, you know, to piggyback on that when I asked you about yield of Brazilian sugar, which what inf- what is that information going to give me? Absolutely nothing. But a question that I get a lot from craft distillers, like pierswar, they're like, "Hey, what should my yield be?" And I'm like, "How the fuck do you want me to answer?" <laughs> Seven. <laughs> like, Seven yeah right. I'm like that is such a loaded question. I'm like here is a very broad range where you should try to get based on your scenario but so
1: yeah that's um, a that's a tough conversation to have with people like especially newer newer uh, distillers because they don't have anything really you know uh, cached as far as data and previous and what I'm averaging and all that and that's that's tough. <laughs> Good luck right. <laughs>
3: I hope that's your sales pitch.
1: Yeah, it works every time. Good luck. Yeah,
0: that's our sales pitch for anyone new trying to get in the distilling industry right now. It's just good luck.
2: <laughs> this might be okay. Good luck. <laughs> um, so how do you feel like, so if you impact that, um, do people, you know, re-distill tails? I know, you know, do faints runs or a lot of people blend tails back in with their mash on a subsequent distillate, like – That's all impactful too. So that's another thing when people ask me about you. Yeah. I'm like, well, tell me your process
1: first. Yeah. And they're all different. But how do you, yeah. Yep.
2: Exactly. How do you feel about that? Like, uh, you know, people redistilling tales with like, you know, like the, the Scotch whiskey model and like a certain amount of tails blended with, you know, uh, low wines.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is actually something I was just working with somebody on. It's, uh, when you're doing like trials and stuff, you kind of have to do a lot of fermentations to realize if it's going to be good at production scale. Like a lot of the craft places that aren't pulling in heads and tails to the next fermentation and stuff like that, realistically, they could probably look at one or two fermentations and make a really good guess on what the spirits gonna be like in normal production. But if you have like what you're just saying the model where you pull in the feints, um, you have to do several fermentations to, to have an idea And at the end of that, you got like five, six, seven fermentations. That's where you're really going to start making your observations, you know, whether it be yield or organoleptic, all that. Um, You can see kinetics and all that right up front. Sure. But as far as the final spirit, you need to kind of see what the production is going to be like. And it, it takes time. Some people are willing to do it. Some people aren't.
2: Well, and that's where blending comes in, if you can make enough. And that's why it's really, I think that, you know, a lot of the craft industry is at a disadvantage based on their scale, right? You can only make so much. Mm-hmm. So a lot, when you, you make a large volume, as it may be variable, you can, I hate, it's as terrible as anyone who ever studied science, that dilution is not the solution, <laughs> but but to a certain method, it it is to get it to a profile that you like, and some extent. Right, and that, that's, you know, that's been known with barrel aging, but I think that can be even done with new make spirit before
1: you go into a barrel. Yeah, sure, absolutely. If you have enough time to, you know, time and hands to get some noses on the stuff and, and blend it, and absolutely, you can make a fairly consistent product with a variable process, as long as you devote people to it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you know, craft distilling has, ample time and hands (laughs) that's That's right colton's hands are always available yeah (laughs) with plenty of time i don't know what that means but it was definitely sexual it Um, was yeah that's a good that's a good place to end on i think yeah i think so too so uh (laughs) final thoughts uh i'm gonna just ask a question how does everyone feel about the finale of sopranos
3: Well, first off, did everyone watch *Sopranos*? Because if you didn't, did, actually, I was I was
0: thinking it. back to remember how I felt about it. That yeah, was, what happened? that hit in a way I didn't expect.
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna go totally non-distillation question on this one.
1: I have not watched. Uh, it. I wish
3: I wish there had been more distilling in it.
1: That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it.
3: Yep.
0: Yeah, I think I think that sums it up really well. Mitch, you haven't watched it? Oh man, *Sopranos* I is
1: great.
3: Yeah, it's great. You You should watch. Find any time on your hands. Yeah,
2: yeah. If you want to keep keep watching, and Netflix just won't let you. Uh, (laughs) Yeah,
0: if if all of your really uh, really exciting trips keep getting canceled, we got your back. We'll keep feeding you really old tv to watch
2: perfect just switch switch over to hbo plus uh this (laughs) podcast is brought to you by hbo plus if you want to know more it actually is not don't sue us hbo (laughs) (laughs) but if you want to feel free to let us know
1: it's free advertising why would they sue right Right for right? a
2: thirteen oh. percent discount uh, for your first three weeks. <laughs> Check out uh, HBO cl- HBO Plus slash Still Talking Pro. What's the, what's the coupon code? Eight four seven.
0: Oh, no hesitation. All right, uh, listener, listener, send us. Um, since we should self promote, like us or review us, or not. I mean, we're not your parents. You do whatever the hell you want, but. Uh,
2: <laughs> Uh, but don't it, it is
0: keeping Colton fed. So make sure that you don't. It's important.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And Mitch, thanks.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. This is fun.